Tonight's reading is from Psalm chapter 7, which means that we've been doing this for seven weeks, um, which is on page 545 of the Bibles. So Psalm chapter 7, starting at verse 1. O Lord my God, I take refuge in you. Save and deliver me from all who pursue me, or they will tear me like a lion and rip me to pieces with no one to rescue me. O Lord my God, if I have done this and there is guilt on my hands, if I've done evil to him who is at peace with me or without cause have robbed my foe, then let my enemy pursue and overtake me. Let him trample my life to the ground and make me sleep in the dust. Arise, O Lord, in your anger. Rise against the rage of my enemies. Awake, my God, decree justice. Let the assembled peoples gather round you. Rule over them on high. Let the Lord judge the peoples. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness, according to my integrity, O Most High. O righteous God, who searches minds and hearts, bring an end, bring to an end the violence of the wicked and make the righteous secure. My shield is God most high, who saves the upright in heart. God is a righteous judge, a God who expresses his wrath every day. If he does not relent, he will sharpen his sword. He will bend and string his bow. He has prepared his deadly weapons. He makes ready his flaming arrows. He who is pregnant with evil and conceives trouble gives birth to disillusionment. He who digs a hole and scoops it out falls into the pit he has made. The trouble he causes recoils on himself. His violence comes down on his own head. I will give thanks to the Lord because of his righteousness and will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we will never know or understand your awesome generosity. And Lord, we give back to you a small token of what you have given to us. And Lord, we pray that it would be used for your service in this place and further afield. And Father, we thank you that part of your generosity is answering our prayers. And so Lord, we thank you for the prayers that you've answered so far this summer in relation to the various teams and camps and missions that have happened. Lord, we thank you for the lives that have been touched through the teaching of your word. And Lord, we remember um, Causeway Girls Camp that starts today, um, those that are serving with Urban Saints. Lord, we remember Matthew and Alfie in Hungary. Um, Sandra, she goes on the Sullivan SU camp and um, we think of Russell at the sports camp in Campbell and also Kenzie over in Canada. And Lord, we ask for your protection on all those who serve. Lord, we ask for safety in travel. Lord, we um, pray for safety in all the various activities that happen. But most of all, Lord, we pray that lives would be touched, Lord, that um, lives would be changed and transformed because um, young people and children have heard your words, Lord, and have made a decision to follow, follow Christ. Lord, we thank you for the walkway summer schemes and all that's happened um, here over the past couple of weeks. And Lord, we just pray for Walkway Sunday and the Homework Club as they start up again in September. Lord, that um, your will would be done, Lord, and that the inroads 
that are made in what way um, for you, Lord, would bear fruit and would bring glory and honor to your name. And Lord, we remember um, our brothers and sisters who don't have the freedom to meet as we do. And Lord, we um, pray for those who persecute Christians, Lord. We pray today for the Islamic militants of Boko Haram who are focusing so hard on attacking Christians in Nigeria and other West African countries. Lord, would you reveal yourself to those people? Lord, they've kidnapped thousands of Christians to try and turn them into radical Muslims, and we ask instead that the kidnappers will become Christians as they see lives of their Christian hostages full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. May the Boko Haram militants turn in revulsion from a life of violence and hatred, seeking instead to follow you. And Lord, we know that you can do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Carolyn. We've just been uh, singing a beautiful poem, Psalm 84. And then earlier on in the service, Carolyn invited us to read another beautiful poem, Psalm 19. And then we followed as Karen was reading the seventh psalm, the one we look at this evening. As said last Sunday evening when we were looking at Psalm 6, the psaltery is poetry, 150 psalms, five thin volumes, but it's poetry on fire. And it's poetry set to music. It's poetry, therefore, for God's ears, it's an audience of one, isn't it? And the heading to Psalm 7 says it's a Shigayon of David. Interesting that that's a musical term. So try to picture David. He's under pressure. He chooses an instrument. He sings these prayer words. So there's a classical double art form here, music and poetry. But they're poem songs given to us by God primarily to help us to pray. To pray words when we don't know what to pray. You find yourself in that situation, perhaps. And to teach us how to pray honestly and openly to God, which we find difficult, don't we? So, as I suggested last Sunday evening, uh, whenever we're asked to preach in a psalm, I think it's not really so much studying a text, which is a worthwhile exercise in itself, but it's learning to read a psalm slowly and to read it again and to let the words come to you like for example, when you're reading the poetry of Seamus Heaney, if you visited the center, it's a tremendous experience. You, you immerse yourself in the world of the poet, and here you immerse yourself in David's world, the way Jesus did and the way the followers of Jesus did. So we're going to pray now that God will help us as we look at uh, Psalm number 7.
You are the living God, and we thank you for inspiring those who wrote these psalms and gave us the prayers of the ancient Hebrews. So this evening, Lord, as we read and reflect and pray David's prayer for justice, for fairness, may we hear the words again of Psalm 48, Mount Zion will celebrate, and all Judah will be glad because you bring justice. You are the God who brings justice. We praise you. So we pray that you would free us as we lay our hearts and minds and, and the burdens we've carried in here this evening before you, just as David did. You bring justice. So may we too celebrate the way you bring justice today and will bring justice when you come, Lord Jesus, to take up your rule. But as for now, we thank you for gathering us here before you, and we pray that as we sit under your word at your feet, you would bless us here. You would bless me here in Jesus' tender and triumphant name we pray. Amen. So what we have in Psalm 7 is the heart cry of a man who is suffering from injustice. He speaks of his enemy or his foe uh, three times in verses 4, 5, and 6 as he comes to God in prayer. And like Psalm 6, this is a psalm of lament, there are 65 psalms of lament uh, out of the 150, which is simply an impassioned cry to God, born out of a painful experience of life. So you see, when you read these psalms of lament, you can see how David uh, plunges himself into the guts of human relationships, hatred, slander, lies, anger, revenge, condemnation, engineering, the stuff of soap operas and the newspapers, life as it really is. So here in Psalm 7, we have a, an ugly relationship which has developed between David and in the heading, it says a man called Cush. Uh, we don't know anything about him, uh, that I know anyway, says he's of the tribe of Benjamin, which takes us right back to Jacob, Benjamin being a son of Jacob, Jacob the trickster in himself. And so we're talking here about relationships within the people of God in a sense. This man, Cush, seems to have mounted a smear campaign against David, he has gone behind his back to falsely accuse him of treason, to remove King Saul, to take the throne. And so this man is destroying David's character with his words. Some years ago, I remember in one of the churches where I served ministering to 
an elderly lady in a residential home. And uh, after a period, we were talking about spiritual things, and she said, you know, I'm, I, I'm not a committed Christian. I said, that's fine. But she said, I know some people who are. They're relatives of mine. She was a single lady. And uh, she said, you know, they're very good to me. They bring me to their home for meals and whatever and to spend time with them. But they talk to me about the need to be saved. And as I sit with them and I listen to them and I look, I find that all they seem to do is eat and eat and eat and talk about people, gossip. That's character assassination. So David's prayer in Psalm 7 helps us grapple with the question, how do I respond when someone has slandered or told lies about me, which is clearly the case here? And there are other teachers around, apart from the greatest teacher who ever walked this planet, Jesus. And these teachers have taught us two A's when this happens. First of all, you attack. You act against the good of that person with your words, with your actions. Attack. Or you can avoid them, distance yourself from them so that you become indifferent to their well-being. You just don't care. You want to have nothing to do with them. Attack and avoidance, the tactics of the world, very often within the church, are tactics of lovelessness. David adopts neither of them. David takes it to the throne of God in prayer. And look at how he describes God as the Lord Most High three times over verse 8, verse 10, verse 17. What a big sweeping vision of God who, he says in verse 7, rules over all. Our God reigns. He is the King of heaven. David says he is therefore our righteous judge in verse 11. I read these words. But I would suggest that for David, this was a happy discovery. The thoughts of revenge. Don't get mad. Get even. You've heard it. These thoughts are removed when David sees this glorious vision of God upon the throne. And he knows then that all is well in God's world. And all is well with me. And so God breaks the, the power of lovelessness towards his enemies in David's life. It's a psalm of lament. And there are some features of a lament psalm here in number seven. If you read the psalm, you'll find there are the threatening enemies. David says in verse two, they're prowling around. He says in verse 14, they are whispering lies. He says in verse 15, they are setting traps. His enemies, 
You don't go very far in life without picking up an enemy or two or three or more. For your enemy is simply someone who is out to make life difficult for you. Here, very difficult for David. The second feature of a lament psalm is in verse 3 and verses 5 to 8. David is protesting his innocence before God. He's saying to God, you know I haven't committed this wrong. Would you please declare me righteous? Would you clear my name? I am innocent. And then the third feature of a lament psalm is in verse 6 where he complains to God. You ever talk to God like this when you pray? Arise, O Lord, in your anger. Rise up against the rage of my enemies. Awake, my God, decree justice or fairness. Lord, it's time for you to wake up and to do something about my situation. Or as he says in Psalm 70, come to me speedily, won't you? And he says also that he wants God to rise up in his anger. Meaning that when he prays, he knows that God is a God who hates injustice and will bring justice when he comes to act in his own time and in his own way, as he will later on in the psalm. So how do we approach these psalms? Here's another way, and I suggested one or two ways last week. By praying them, I said, when you don't know what to pray or how to pray, take a psalm, go and spend time with God and pray it. It's an old practice called festooning. You know, at Christmas, you purchase your Christmas tree, and then you get down the decorations from the attic, and you decorate the tree. And I love doing this. I do it almost every day with Psalm 23, which you know off by heart. You take a line, and you take a wee bit of time, and you just festoon it or add to it in your own words, Many, maybe from another scripture, maybe from a song or a hymn or, or whatever. It's a great practice. So you read the words slowly, and then you put them into your own words as you pray them back to God. So I thought we'd do this We exercise with the seventh psalm this evening. I'll read a couple of verses, and then I'll suggest a prayer. How we do it, in other words. Verses 1 and 2. O Lord my God, I take refuge in you. Save and deliver me from all who pursue me, or they will tear me like a lion and rip me to pieces with no one to rescue me. Thank you, Lord, for this lovely picture of you as my refuge. And Lord, how that speaks to me of safety and security that I find in you. Please, Lord, in this situation, would you take me within the stronghold of your grace? 
that I will find a quiet center in the midst of these evildoers where I can rest confidently in your tender care in the midst of my enemies. Verses 3 to 5. O Lord my God, if I have done this, and there is guilt on my hands, if I have done evil to him who is at peace with me, or without cause have robbed my foe, then let my enemy pursue and overtake me. Let him trample my life to the ground and make me sleep in the dust. Lord, you know I am innocent of any wrongdoing in this. But Lord, if there is something I don't know about, if there's something you see and I don't see, if my heart is just not right, please show me my faults. Forgive my secret sins. Forget them and set me gloriously free. Verses 6 through 8. Arise, O Lord, in your anger. Rise up against the rage of my enemies. Awake, my God. Decree justice. Let the assembled peoples gather around you. Rule over them from on high. Let the Lord judge the peoples. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness, according to my integrity, O Most High. Lord, arrest my accusers. Bring them into your courtroom. Put them in the dock. And, and arrange your justice, Lord, for, for all of us. For I know that far from condemning me, you took my place. You died for me on that cruel cross to make me righteous, to keep me righteous, so that I can stand before you in your great courtroom without fault and with great joy. You see how we can pray back the psalm? Verses 9 to 11. O righteous God, who searches minds and hearts, bring to an end the violence of the wicked, and make the righteous secure. My shield is God most high, who saves the upright in heart. God is our righteous judge, a God who expresses his wrath every day. Lord, we see it all around us. We've been praying about it this evening, Nigeria. Lord, please close the book on evil. Let evil doing be done and done with and set things right. And then, Lord, as I, I think perhaps on a, an Ulster scale, a UK scale, a global scale, Lord, will you establish justice for people far and near? And then people or someone I know personally who has been unjustly treated in his or her life, I'm thinking of a name, names, a place. And then take 12 through 17. 
if he does not relent, he will sharpen his sword, he will bend and string his bow, he has prepared his deadly weapons, he makes ready his flaming arrows, he who is pregnant with evil and conceives trouble gives birth to disillusionment or lies. He who digs a hole and scoops it out falls into the pit he has made. The trouble he causes recoils on him. His violence comes down on his own head. I will give thanks to the Lord because of his righteousness and will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. Lord, I want to thank you so much for reminding me from these verses that evildoers will not get away with their wrongdoing. Thank you for showing me the way evil backfires now and how those who conceive trouble and cause trouble to others are self-destructing. So, Lord, as I come to the end of this psalm, I join David in praising you for the way the harsh noise of destructive lions give way to the sung sounds of praise to you, my refuge, my shield, my king, my Lord, the most high God, the judge of all the earth. Try festooning a psalm. Keep practicing. Start with Psalm 23. It's the best. Let me bring this for a wee while under the spotlight of the New Testament. Who is our judge? King Jesus, isn't that right? What did Jesus say about responding to the people who make your life and mine difficult? What does Jesus say to us about draining the swamp of attacking or avoiding people who have hurt us? Go to look at just a couple of verses from Jesus' teaching. We call it the Sermon on the Plain. It's in Luke chapter 6. Now, just by way of background here, you probably know that Jesus is teaching his disciples. We're here to make disciples of Jesus in the church. There's no other show in town. I love to say that again and again and again. Disciples who have heard the good news that because Jesus has come, there is entry into the kingdom of the heavens right now. So it's not a question of getting saved and going into the kingdom when you die. There are people who have placed their confidence and hope in Jesus who have entered his kingdom, the same kingdom that David speaks about in Psalm 7 when he says that God rules over all. So that for these people in in Luke 6 who have entered the kingdom and you have the Beatitudes at the beginning, Jesus is saying to them, Luke, whatever your condition, whatever your circumstances, Whoever is making life difficult for you just now, you are blessed. It says Jesus looked at them 
And then he said, blessed, blessed, blessed. You are really well off. So disciples are those who then have made a decision to enroll in Jesus' school of life. Salvation is about life. They are people who are intentional about learning the meaning of kingdom love. That's what it's all about. And they listen carefully as Jesus, their life coach, tells them how to respond to those who injure them and how to break the power of lovelessness, attacking, avoiding, when they do us wrong. It's two verses. It's in Luke 6, 27. But I tell you who hear me, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. The words of Jesus. Love your enemies. Being sent that you want the best for them. Bless those who curse you. I can't get that word bless out of my thoughts today. Bless those who curse you. David has been the victim of cursing, the slander, the lies, the hatred. But if you read over Psalm 7 again, you will find that there's no hint of David asking God's permission to get even with his enemy. David, in other words, refuses to take justice into his own hands. You heard of the Desert Fathers, those great saints way back in the fourth century. They would say that judging others is a heavy burden. Jesus says, don't judge them, bless them. You know that word bless comes from the word benediction, which we will hear for our blessing at the end of the service. Two Latin words meaning speak well, say good things of the other person, say yes because that person, whoever he is, whatever he has done, is loved by your God. So you can walk and they can walk through life with a sense of well-being. So he says in verse 20, Jesus, looking at his disciples, said, Blessed are you. You can say that. You can bless others. Let me give you an example of this. There was a mentally disabled woman in a community in Toronto, Canada, called Larsh. The pastor at that time was the late Henri Nouwen. And one day, a woman named Janet were gathered together, asked the pastor Nouwen 
for a blessing. And he kind of had a go at it. Tell it tells about it in his book. He didn't do it very well, he says. And Janice said, but I really need a blessing. And Nyan called her up and put his arm around her and said, and I quote, Janet, I want you to know that you are God's beloved daughter. You are precious in God's eyes. Your beautiful smile, your kindness to the people in the house, and all the good things you do show what a beautiful human you are. I know you feel a little low these days, and that there's some sadness in your heart, but I want you to remember who you are, a very special person, deeply loved by God, and all the people who here love you. And Henri Nan says, Janet lifted her head, and her broad smile showed that she really heard and received God's blessing in those moments. And then these mentally disabled people, members of staff, came one by one, were held in a loving embrace, and received the blessing. We pray for and we thank God for the ministry of Caris in this place. What a beautiful ministry. Bless those who curse you. Our Lord Jesus says, pray for those who mistreat you. Get your enemy onto your prayer list. For prayer is listening to the God who tells you that you're blessed, that whatever your circumstances, you are really well off in his kingdom. And then in prayer, he gives you the power to bless others. I hardly preach a sermon without quoting someone I've learned so much about over the past 15 years, Dallas Willard. Dallas Willard is great when it comes to definitions. Prayer, he says, is God's arrangement for a safe power sharing with us in his intention to bless others through us. I've watched... Um, DVDs of uh, Dallas Willard being interviewed by his friend uh, John Ortberg. A few years ago, Dallas Willard passed to glory. And when he said something like this, Ortberg would say, Dallas, that, that's wonderful. Would you, would you please say that once again? Prayer is God's arrangement for a safe power sharing with us in his intention to bless others. Brothers and sisters, this is how followers of Jesus from what David calls in Psalm 710, a true and right heart 
That's where it comes from. They respond to those who cause them personal injury, letting Jesus love, letting Jesus bless, pray for your adversary through you so that we don't do revenge. We love like Jesus loved. This is life at the cutting edge. This is life that really works. And doesn't David's prayer remind us that in a world of trouble, listen, God's kingdom is never in trouble. Never. And that our judge will sort out all the injuries and injustices in this life now, right here in Psalm 7, and on Judgment Day when he returns and sets up his throne for judgment upon everyone and everything. This reminds me and surely says to us that we must be careful that our relationships to others are places where the love of God is dwelling. Including the places where there are people who make life difficult for us. That's your enemy. For the cushions haven't gone away, you know. But by the grace of God, we can live more serenely and safely in the midst of it all, in the midst of the harm that is done to us and beyond it. For in him we have the victory. Archbishop Thomas Cranmer lived in the 16th century. He was the leader of the English Reformation. He had many enemies. Lord Tennyson wrote of him, to do him a wrong was to beget a kindness from him, for his heart was so rich that if you sowed therein the seeds of hate, they blossomed love. Now that's discipleship in the lion's den, isn't it? But you say, David, that's the 16th century. What about the 21st century? Will a few of us, maybe more, get a prayer each day from a man called Scotty Smith? And Morris Barr's face will light up when he hears that name because we're both very fond of this man's prayers. And his prayer for yesterday, at least part of it, relates so well to what God has been saying from Psalm 7 and from the teaching of our Lord Jesus. Here's what he says. For some of us, summertime extended family gatherings are more difficult than cross-cultural mission trips. Grant us thick skin and big hearts, Father, some relationships 
are more like minefields than fields of clover. Help us, Father, to love well in those messy relationships. That's the heart of the matter. It's all about love. Jesus' love. First century, 16th century, 21st century. Let's pray. In the presence of Jesus, would you picture the kind of person you would be if you were to let your enemies bring out the best in you? Picture the kind of person you would be if you were to respond with the power of prayer for someone who has hurt you deeply. And picture the kind of person you would be if you were to make a decision to bless or put in a person's name or names. Lord, that's the kind of person I want to be. A person like Cranmer with a rich heart, a loving heart. Please make me that kind of person by your grace, for your glory. Amen.